Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Kinser, and today I have Sarah Hollingsworth with us. She's going to be telling her mom journey story, and she's the founder and CEO of Populist. After a difficult return to the workforce from maternity leave, Sarah decided to step away from her career to focus on family health and to pursue a new entrepreneurial journey. In July of 2020, Sarah launched Populist, a simplified baby registry platform that helps parents be who they want to be, starting with the right products for their growing family. Sarah resides in Austin, Texas with her husband, Scott, and two daughters, Amelia and Zoe. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. I'm really excited for you to be here. We've been able to connect with each other over these past several months. I don't even know if it's been a year because time just flies by. So I'm really excited to bring you on the show and talk about your experience with breastfeeding, but even just really as a mom and trying to be a working mom and an entrepreneur mom, you've just had so many varied experiences. And I think our audience is going to love to hear about it. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to share uh, whatever you think is going to be most valuable to everyone. And yeah, I don't even think it's been a year since I first messaged you on Instagram. (laughs) So, you know, it feels like it has been, but I know it hasn't been that long, but yeah, when you're a working parent of now a newborn and a toddler, sometimes time stands very still or it goes by very fast. So I basically just feel like I'm in a time machine. So anyway, happy to talk about anything. And so, so, so happy to be here. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It does feel like a time machine that works in (laughs) many different directions, it seems. Yeah, I think that's really just mom life in general. And what I love is that you're able to keep it so real. And I just think that that's a conversation that we really need to be having more often because I feel like moms are, you know, maybe it's part of our wiring to some degree, but then there's just all of these influences of social media and, just the way things work now where we're always seeming to strive towards some sort of optimal or ideal, which is not a bad thing, but can definitely be discouraging in the long run. So I think you've got a lot to share on that front. And I'd love to just hear how your journey started with becoming a mom. So when I was pregnant with my first Amelia, um, I was working for a global IT company headquartered out of San Antonio, Texas. And I was a very annoying pregnant person. I was one of those people, my first pregnancy that loved being pregnant. I was so grateful for health. I experienced some symptoms in the first trimester, but overall I felt very fortunate and really enjoyed my pregnancy experience. But It was very challenging work-wise because my job required a lot of travel. I managed our global trade show team. So I was traveling to every major U.S. city, probably, you know, I'd be in New York one month, Las Vegas the next, Chicago another. Um, So I was constantly on the road, which which was really, really hard. Um, And as, you know, a lot of people can relate, the fatigue sets in 
in general when you're pregnant, but then you add long trips and these weren't overnight trips. I mean, I would be gone from my house and my husband for almost a week. So maintaining good nutrition, hydration, sleep, traveling for trade shows was really hard. So my pregnancy experience was great. Working while pregnant was extremely challenging. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. Gosh. And I don't know if this happens to you. I feel like it does when I'm not pregnant, but my legs would get swollen sitting on long, long flights. And I can only imagine being pregnant and trying to fly as much as you did. Oh yeah. I had to research, you know, compression socks. I needed like the world's best water bottle. You know, you just, there's things that you need to try to help support wherever you're going and a good water bottle and compression socks were key for flying. Mm, Yeah. Those are really good tips actually. (laughs) So when you came time to give birth to Amelia, how did that go? Was there anything that you did to prepare? And then I just love to hear, like, maybe you can chat about, you know, now that you're looking back on it and your perspective too. My birth with Amelia is so funny because I spent so much time researching these lists about what you need for a hospital delivery. And I gave birth in a hospital in San Antonio. You know, there was these lists and not to discredit them or, you know, I'm sure they work for a lot of people, but it was like, pack these essential oils, make this playlist. Um, There were so many things about your physical environment that I read that somehow I missed the, hey, here's what you really need to know about giving birth. And here are some questions that you can ask your OBG or your healthcare provider or whomever um, to make sure that you have a safe delivery or one where you feel empowered. You know, I missed those articles somehow. I was so concerned about the physical environment of where I was going to deliver that I didn't know that I could decline an episiotomy if offered. You know, I just didn't understand what was in Um, my control, if you will, around giving birth. In addition to that, I had no idea how to properly care postpartum. So when I think about my birthing experiences, and I know you're not asking me to compare them yet, but they were wildly different. And I think as first time parents, we just don't know what we don't know. And there's so much information that we can consume on the internet that I think it's really hard for us to parse what is really important that I need to focus on first. And then what are kind of like, oh, okay, well, once I'm prepared for X, maybe I can think about having a diffuser in my delivery room. You know, I just, there were so many other more important things I wish I would have spent my time on, but I didn't know any better. Mm, that makes sense. And and like you said, you don't know what you don't know. So even if right. those were things that you thought you wanted to learn about, now you have to go figure out well, where do I learn about those things, which is mm-hmm. overwhelming, right? So right. do you read right. a book, a blog, a watch YouTube video? Like, I, I mean, there's so many options and then how do you know right. who to trust? Right. And I think that's, you know, also part of the reason I launched Populous, but I was the first of my friends and my sisters to have a baby. So I didn't, And even a lot of coworkers I was working with at the time weren't moms. So I just didn't know where to go. So yeah, I spent hours researching the internet and listening to podcasts and just trying to figure out what do I do basically. Gosh. Yeah, that's wild. So, so you gave birth to Amelia, did things go okay? Or were there some surprises because you, you said now that there were some things you didn't know? Yeah. So I didn't have as many surprises as with Amelia as I did with Zoe, but you know, I think I was surprised at, I mean, this might be TMI. I was so surprised at how hard it was to push. Um, I had a vaginal delivery with both of my daughters. Um, 
I did not know the type of stamina I would need to somehow show up with when it came time to push. I pushed for 90 minutes straight. And I mean, we did not take a break. Um, wow. It was, you know, pushing every so seconds during the contraction, taking a two second break. I remember my husband putting the oxygen mask over my face and then we would start over. I mean, it was like this for 90 minutes. I remember my OB saying, if we don't get her out in X amount of time, you know, we're going to have to go to plan B. And I just remember thinking to myself like, okay, well get her out. You know, it's just so hard. Like you just have no idea what you're in for until you're in it. And I think the same thing as parent can be said for parenting. Like my mom's like, you're never going to be ready to be a parent until you're a parent. And I don't know. I think because everyone's experience with becoming a parent is so, so different. Even if I had lots of friends who could have shared their experiences with me, you know, what's so unique about this is no one person's experience is the same. So sure, it might have been nice to have a little bit of context about what could possibly happen. You know, everyone's experience is so unique to them. So yeah, besides being surprised on how hard it was to push out a human, which sounds like, well, duh, obviously that's hard. Um, (laughs) Like, you know, Sarah, (laughs) how did you not know that? Um, I know I just was like, I think they're just, you know, like how big can they be? Well, she was nine and a half pounds and 22 inches long. So (laughs) she was not coming out easily on her own. Oh gosh. So she was big. Yeah. Yeah. She was big. Yes. That's yeah. That's funny. You know, it's like this balance too, especially like for someone in my role where, you know, I'm, I'm trying to educate people, but not scare them. Right. So it's like, Correct. yeah, it's going to be hard. It's pretty much going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Not birth, the the whole parenting thing. <laughs> like, yeah, because mm-hmm, totally. the birth is over in, you know, for some people, a matter of hours, others, a matter of days. Um, it depends on how your birth went, but right. parenting that's like forever. So yeah, it's the hardest thing you've ever done. And if you don't like doing hard things, then you're going to want a lot of help because yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when someone asks me, how's it going? I usually reply with, well, would you like the truth or do you want me to just give you the shortened slash sugar-coated version? Because sometimes people are in the place to hear like how challenging parenting can be. So I usually just basically ask, well, what do you really want to know <laughs> before right. I answer this very loaded question? <laughs> right. You're like, do you want to know how big the baby is right now? And if she's right for milestones or do you want like the thick of it? <laughs> right. Totally. So when you had Amelia, did you do anything to prepare for breastfeeding or like, how did you kind of go through that? Was it like a big decision for you? Like deciding whether or not you would breastfeed. I always love to learn from moms and kind of what they did going into it. Going into it with Amelia, I didn't do or prepare anything other than like maybe registering for a nipple balm or obviously I had, I registered for the Haka because I knew that would help me, you know, catch some letdown on the other breasts that she wasn't nursing on. So there was like a few very like small amount of product things that I did to prepare, if you will. But in terms of education. I was so ill-prepared, but I knew I wanted to breastfeed Amelia and I knew I wanted to do it exclusively. So we did. She latched almost immediately when she was born and it was the most wonderful, beautiful experience we've ever had. But then as my milk came in and she started to nurse for longer periods of time, what within the first week, that is when it became extremely challenging 
that was sort of like, I knew something was wrong with Amelia's nursing because when she would latch, I would literally close my eyes for 30 seconds until the pain in my nipple numbed. And then I basically felt like I could breathe again, but I knew that that was not a normal experience. That type of prolonged pain, I knew I needed like to sort of seek some help. So I'll stop there. But that was like the one moment I knew, okay, it, sh- it, it shouldn't feel like this. Mm, yeah. That's great that you realize that because I hear from a lot of clients that they don't realize that. Um, I've actually had them start out the appointment and I'll, you know, kind of ask like, Hey, you know, you filled out the form. Like, why, why are you here? Like, what are your goals? And they're like, I just want to learn how I can tolerate the pain. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, no, that's, that's not supposed to happen. I just remember thinking like, there are so many women who have beautiful nursing experiences with their children nursing. Like if this is what everyone's feeling, nobody would breastfeed. I was like, it, this, Mm. this cannot be what people experience. Certainly not their entire breastfeeding journey. So I was like, this, this cannot be right. (laughs) Yeah. Once you realize that, like what happened next, because you said you felt like you realized you needed help. Um, so did you ever get that help? Yeah. So that was a couple of weeks after a million was born. I mean, I say a couple of weeks, you know, I think as first time parents, you like, it's like, wait, was that one week? Was that a month? Like, I can't really remember the exact timeline, but I know it was the first couple of weeks that she was nursing. So sure. I remember calling my OB asking her like, Hey, do you have like a lactation consultant at your office? Of course we had one come visit us in the hospital with Amelia, but you're in such a state of euphoria and like adrenaline that yes, I was listening to her and she gave us so many great tips and suggestions But once I got home and I didn't have the lactation consultant there with me, it was almost like I couldn't remember what she had told me. Obviously, I felt so much more confident to nurse with an expert right in front of me. So when you get home, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, wait, did she say do this? I just couldn't remember all of the tips that she had provided. So a couple of weeks go by, I call my OB. She recommends a lactation consultant at the hospital that I delivered So my husband and I make an appointment. We go to the hospital. They were actually like on the postpartum floor where we delivered. Uh, I sat with a lactation consultant. She watched me put Amelia on my boob. She sort of watched how she latched. We did a weigh-in. So after we did one very painful feeding with a lactation consultant, she put her on a scale to see how much milk she was, you know, consuming. And then we went through, okay, here are some of the the issues I'm seeing her latch was super shallow, which explained why my nipple was so sore and it burned because she was basically, you know, she had a very shallow short latch. She wasn't able to get as much milk as she possibly could with such a short, you know, small latch. Um, So we sort of corrected it right there on site and it was so helpful. And I actually went back to see the same person four times because every time I got home, I remembered some, but not all of her feedback, but I also didn't know how else to make sure Amelia was gaining weight. Cause after her, her first pediatrician appointment, she actually had lost a lot of weight and it took her a long time to get back up to her birth weight. It wasn't until I went to more than one lactation consultant appointment that she started to gain weight. Um, and then I finally got the hang of it. So I went and saw the same person four times after Amelia was born. Wow. Well, that's awesome. By the way, we love when you do that because we want to make sure that you understand and that you're able to implement the things that we're teaching you on your own. That's the whole goal. So right. 
I love that. Yeah. And I don't Um, know if it's, it's not really mom brain, but there is absolutely, like you said, this time of after giving birth where you just cannot take in information. Like it's mm -mm. just, so as much as I love that a lot of hospitals will have lactation consultants there and, and some of them do have very good ones, you're not going to remember most of what was said to you when you get home. And, no. and I find that really evident, like when I unpack people's birth stories with them and there's elements of it that they really can't remember, you know, and it's not because you blacked out. It's just because that's how it is. Right. You're experiencing sort of like sleep deprivation on top of this feeling of like pure joy and bliss. And, um, yeah, it was just so hard to retain that information. I mean, you're so concerned about getting acquainted with someone you've never met, you know, also trying to recover from giving birth. Yeah. It, it seems like a good idea at the time, right. To have someone come visit you about latching and in supporting your breastfeeding journey. But man, when you go home, you're like, wait, what did they say? (laughs) (laughs) Should I have recorded that session? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should be doing that. So you saw this lactation consultant four times. Sounds like she helped you a ton. So that's amazing. So then how did breastfeeding go after that? So breastfeeding was so wonderful with Amelia. I was home with her for three months on maternity leave and we nursed exclusively. Um, I didn't even start pumping until like the week or two before I had to go back to work. I actually forgot, like I literally forgot, Oh, oh my gosh, Amelia's going to daycare. She only drinks milk. I guess I should have a stash in my freezer because otherwise what's she going to go to school with? So it was great. Once we got the hang of it and I felt confident, I mean, once she started gaining weight and breastfeeding was comfortable for the both of us, that's when I started to feel more confident to take her places because I knew like, okay, we can go out to lunch. We can go to a coffee shop. We can go on a walk because if she starts fussing and gets hungry, this isn't going to be a 25 minute ordeal that I'm where I'm trying to get her a latch and she's going to keep crying after she feeds. Cause she's going to be hungry. Like I knew she was going to be well-fed and calm. So that was really nice to feel confident breastfeeding Amelia um, enough to get out of the house because, you know, I think we all need that for our mental health. Like it's hard to be cooped up in one place for so long. So it was a really beautiful experience with Amelia um, breastfeeding. So I did, like I said, I breastfed Amelia exclusively for three months. And then I had to start pumping when I went back to work, which was an entirely different experience. Yeah. Certainly get into. No, what was that like? (laughs) I want to hear in total with Amelia, my, you know, breastfeeding and pumping experience lasted six months. I went to an office. So the nice thing about that was I had a schedule in my pumping sessions, which is very different than my experience with Zoe, which for the record, I um, nursed Zoe about three months less than I did with Amelia. But here's one thing I will share going into an office as challenging as that was as a new mom. When I think about pumping specifically, aside from every other thing I have to say about working in a corporate environment as a new mom, at least my pumping sessions were scheduled four times throughout the day. And I had to block those out on my calendar. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to pump. However, being at home this time around my second working from home, you can get a lot lazier. So I wish I would have been way more disciplined and diligent with my pumping schedule when I went back to work, like I was with Amelia, because it allowed me to maintain a supply, but pumping at work 
the only thing that was annoying was obviously like going back and forth with all the pump parts and the things you need to be able to store breast milk. But I was very fortunate that my company provided a a nursing room, a pumping room. There was a refrigerator that was exclusive just for women's breast milk. Um, So that was really, really nice. I had to travel for a week when Amelia was six months old. And after that trip is when my milk, it literally just never recouped and it never came back. And that was kind of the end of my journey with breastfeeding and pumping Amelia, which I was devastated because here I was on the road away from my daughter. Uh, It was very hard. You know, she's six months old and to travel, um, to not know, you know, that the fridges at the hotel provides you to store your breast milk, I don't think was actually cold enough. And then to have a really hard and challenging experience with TSA coming home. It was such a stressful week that I honestly think my body just went into complete shock and like, that was it. And it was like devastating because I didn't even wean her. I didn't even, I had no time to prepare that this was going to be the end. It was just, it was almost like a, a switch. One day I left for a work trip. And when I came back, like that was it. So that was like really hard because there was no preparation and it wasn't something I wanted to end. Right. Wow. Yeah. I think that happens more often than people talk about. And here you are supposed to be on a trip for work and this is happening in the background and mm-hmm. how much are you really, you know, that that's hard, right? You're trying to focus on your job and then obviously you're probably missing your family or you're enjoying time away, but <laughs> right. <laughs> either way, but you're trying to pump in the midst of all of that. And then you know, store this milk and it's all just not working out. How devastating, of course, like you said, you didn't get to prepare. So that's, that's really rough for sure. And I will say to you, like, just, I I wouldn't say you did anything wrong. You know, um, I had to, uh, travel for about a week. I presented at a conference. Um, I had to leave my daughter who was nursing at the time. Now she was, older than, uh, Amelia was, I forget how old she was at the time, but that constant having to run back up to my hotel room to go pump was awful. It was just awful because I was missing all of the networking periods, or I would have to miss sessions. Um, the times when everybody wanted to eat lunch together, I would basically shovel food in my face and then go and Mm -hmm. pump. And because it was like a busy conference venue, the elevator took forever. So it was like, all the things, you know, and then everybody wants to go to dinner after. And you're like, well, let me pump really quick. And then let me pump when I get back and the hotel fridges, no, they're not the right temperature. So there are all these things that we have to consider. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. It honestly can be way too much. Like if it's one or two days, I feel like you can kind of manage, but any longer than that, it's just, I, I don't know how moms do it. I really don't. Like if you're exclusively pumping, and you travel, I just, I don't know how you do it. You're incredible. And just, I bow down to you. (laughs) Yeah. Same here because I'm working this trade show floor at a tech conference and we're in Las Vegas. So if you've ever been to a trade show in Las Vegas, the space for like the expo and conferences is so far from my hotel room. So just like going back and forth and, you know, even if I had pumped and found a safe place to do that near the expo or the actual conference, then what am I supposed to do with my breast milk? Like keep it in a exactly a all day. Like I had no clue. Like I was not prepared to like, I didn't know I had to think through all these scenarios. And I think 
before this trip, I was like, oh yeah, it'll be great. You know, I've already called the hotel. I have the fridge. I've got all my pump parts, etc. Well, I get there and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot. You know, I remember forgetting this one piece to my breast pump. I think it was like the phalanges or something that like go in the spectra. It was something, or maybe like one of the, anyway, there was like a piece I forgot to pack in your when you don't have all your pieces, it doesn't work. And you're just like, nope. this, no way is this happening. So I remember having like Amazon Prime something to my hotel. And that was just sort of like the start of how stressful that week was. Oh man. So, so that ended, was there anything else you wanted to say about the end of your breastfeeding journey with Amelia? Was it hard coming no. back to her and not having as much milk yeah. and, and going through that? I think it was really hard because also I will say we didn't have like, a ton of breast milk stored in the freezer. So I knew that my husband was probably going to have to supplement for the first time ever with formula while I was gone, which he did end up doing. So I'm so thankful he had this experience with Amelia, but for a week he was bottle feeding her in the morning and at night. And he loved that time with her because he felt like he got to bond with her in a different way. Cause that was really like the first time he's ever fed her um, besides like, you know, some purees that we were making at that time. And then I come home and I'm like devastated because I can't nurse her to sleep. Like I literally just didn't have any milk left and I didn't know what steps to take if I wanted to try to get my milk supply back. I just didn't even know that that Mm. was an option. So here my husband is so stoked and happy and thrilled to have this experience with Amelia. And on the other hand, I'm like devastated because that was my job, but that was the job I wanted, you know, and that wasn't just me anymore. So I think just as a family, everyone was experiencing like very different emotions and that was hard to manage because he was happy, but I was really sad. So, um, I don't really have anything else or like wisdom to add other than yes, of course she's healthy and, and it all worked out and it's great, but it doesn't minimize, you know, how really devastating that can be when it's not up to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, that's the juxtaposition of you and Scott's emotions over this. Um, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't help how you feel for sure. No. So yeah. Well, so then you, in this time frame, you, you obviously, after that, you left your job, you started Populist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you're getting pregnant again. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Yes. So I left my job six months after maternity leave. Cause after that work trip, I was just like, you know, this just isn't a, a feasible career for, for me. And then what almost two and a half years later, I got pregnant with Zoe in between that time I'm working on starting, you know, populist and onboarding my co-founder. And we are, you know, working to build this baby registry software. So I was pregnant with Zoe about two and a half years after Amelia. Well, really closer to two. She was born this year on April 12th. So she's almost four months old. So time is going by very, very fast. She and I had a very similar experience in the beginning, um, not necessarily with the challenges of nursing and latching, but in the same way that Amelia latched right away, so did Zoe. Zoe's kind of my miracle baby, if you will. So I, the only surprises, the two surprises I had when she was born was um, the umbilical cord was wrapped around Zoe's neck and she also had a knot in her umbilical cord. And um, we are just like, 
incredibly fortunate and blessed that she is um, with us because if you look up statistics, which I don't recommend, they are not positive for babies who have knots in their umbilical cord. So we are just very, very, very fortunate for her. So I'll pause there, but she lasts yeah. right away and our nursing experience lasted three months and I'm happy to share parts of that too. Yeah. I want to hear because you went into the pregnancy with Zoe and your parenting journey and postpartum with her, obviously more well-informed and yes, you know, clearly an expert in baby products at this point, or at least that so many (laughs) exist. Um, and so, you know, you had just done more on that front end to prepare. So I'd love to hear Mm -hmm. some of those things that you decided to do because it's a big contrast from how things went with Amelia. Completely different contrast. I mean, I knew what products I needed to help support my breastfeeding journey, which ones I didn't. I had prearranged um, a lactation appointment. So it's really, I don't know how unique this is, but our kids pediatrician's office actually has lactation consultants that meet you during your newborn appointment. So I had called ahead of time to make sure we were going to um, be seen by one. Um, so I, I already had pre-scheduled appointments with the lactation consultant before Zoe was even born. So that was something different that I did this time around. And it was great. It was so funny because she latched great. We had a great experience at the pediatrician's appointment with our lactation consultant. She was gaining weight right away. She put her birth weight back on in a matter of days. I had such a great supply. I also think I was so much more confident breastfeeding her this time around that I think overall I was less stressed and I just knew she was putting weight on like with Amelia, I never knew that she was getting what she needed, but with Zoe, I think as a second time mom, I just was like, you know what, my body, if I'm maintaining my hydration and nutrition and my vitamins and minerals, like I know I was telling myself, I know my body is going to give her what she needs. And that was sort of like the mantra I kept telling myself. And it made my experience breastfeeding Zoe so much better. And I felt so much more confident in what my body was producing for her that, I don't know, like, I think by just saying that a hundred times over, it really became true. I don't, I don't know if that sounds silly, but no, I just really not at all my body in a different way this time than I did with Amelia. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that you made sure to take really good care of yourself so that you Mm -hmm. could feel confident in your ability to care for Zoe. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what we want all moms to do. So yes, yes. (laughs) yes. And you know, I think it's, it's hard to put that into practice as a first time mom, but my second time around, I was so grateful because I was like, okay, I kind of felt like I was getting a redo in a way, um, in certain areas of being a mom. But then, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, I did go back to work a little earlier than I did with Amelia, mainly because I had the opportunity to work from home. I didn't have to go into an office and it's my own company. So um, if I'm not working, you know, of course I have my incredible co-founder to me but if there aren't two of us working on populist, the needle doesn't move as quicker, but I wanted to get back to work too, right? It was on my own volition and my own schedule. Sure. Yeah. But I didn't have a pumping schedule built in, which looking back, I definitely should have. So there was two things. One, I wasn't as diligent about making sure my body was producing enough breast milk when I started pumping. And two, I actually started to have like a little bit of depression 
Um, it's super hot here right now in Austin. And so my family of four has been not has been, but the first two and a half months of Zoe's life, my husband was always with my toddler doing something fun outside. And I was inside recovering and nursing Zoe, but it was the first time, despite having, you know, this new type of education and confidence and taking care of myself and, you know, being able to adequately feed Zoe, I started to feel just like very depressed about no time with my toddler, no time with my husband. It was very rare that the four of us were together at the same time. I just started to have like more intrusive thoughts than I've ever experienced. You know, I needed to have a a few more frequent calls with my therapist. I, I don't know. It was so weird because I felt like my mental health was struggling this time around in a very different way than it did my first. And so when I think about being alone, nursing Zoe, and I can hear my toddler and my husband laughing at the pool. I just was like, I don't know how to articulate it in a way that makes sense, but I'm sure people listening, if they are a second time mom with a newborn and they also have an older child, they might be able to relate in some way about like really feeling lonely and like missing out. I didn't like feeling that way. I wanted a little bit more freedom with my family, but also I think on top of sleep deprivation with a toddler, I think that was making my anxiety and like postpartum depression that much more difficult. And so I started to ask my husband, Hey, I need to sleep through the night. I need at least like six or seven hours solid. Can you please take a feeding for Zoe? And so because of you know, my mental health sort of struggling. I didn't have a diligent pumping schedule designed. And I just felt like I desperately needed to sleep through the night. Nursing and pumping became a little less important to me. And I just felt like this time around, I needed to focus differently on my mental health. So that's mm. very long-winded, Jacqueline. Yeah. I'm going to pause there. I hope <laughs> that made sense. I can did. clear anything up that you might think your listeners would appreciate. <laughs> No, I think that makes perfect sense. And I really appreciate you sharing that because these are real feelings that I think come up for a lot of moms and you're one of them. And it can be really hard to feel tied down, especially to it's like putting the brakes on, right? You're used to being a mom of a toddler and being able to be more active and all of that. And then now all of a sudden you can't. And yes, sure. You do need to heal from the birth and all of that, but then you're kind of like, well, hang on, I'm wanting to jump in and, and I'm ready to do some more things, but yeah, you're feeling tied down. And I think what you said about, I forget exactly the words you used about, um, just that breastfeeding and pumping became less important to you. And I think that that is really valid. And I would love for that to be more of the focus of the conversation when moms talk about how breastfeeding maybe didn't work out or why they gave up earlier than they had wanted to. It's not a giving up. I don't think it's that. And I don't think it's saying that breastfeeding was absolutely killing your mental health and you needed to stop for your mental health. It's just kind of looking at your life priorities and ranking things yes. in order of importance. And that's all totally. it is. It's not a judgment. Yeah. It's just like, you're like, no. you know what? Some things are more important than this right now. That's okay. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I'm so thankful you said that because that's truly how I feel. And I was concerned about, there was a moment where I was like, okay, I need to tell my husband that I don't want to do this anymore for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I think they can appear 
very selfish, but when you're a parent and there's another child that also needs you and I don't know, I don't think I need to explain or justify any further or defend, but um, no, you don't. (laughs) It's absolutely what made the most sense for me. And it's, it's so funny and different, right? Because this time around, it was so much better and it doesn't minimize either how much I loved breastfeeding Zoe. Like you cannot replace that experience with your kid. However, (laughs) given my life and my circumstances and my situation, it wasn't something I could continue to prioritize um, just for her. I needed to be a mom to Amelia and Zoe. And I also needed to take care of myself so that I could now take care of two kids. And so for me, that meant, that meant, okay, I think I need to stop breastfeeding at this time. So, you know, of course, like she got sick a couple weeks ago and I'm like, oh my God, if I was nursing, she probably would have never gotten sick. You know, so you have like these tapes that still sort of come up and you start to feel guilty, but then I have to remind myself, Sarah, no, she might've still gotten sick. Yes, your breast milk is her greatest defense against X, Y, and Z, but she's going to be healthy and she's okay and she's fine and she's better now, you know, but there's tapes that I think might come up periodically throughout the next couple months. And I am sort of anticipating those and already working through those scenarios with my therapist. But like I said, it just wasn't right for me at that time. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, I know you know this, like, you know, knowledge wise in your head, but the benefits of breastfeeding don't stop when you stop breastfeeding. So I like to always remind that to moms who lean early or like low supply moms, like the benefits of breastfeeding um, don't align with how much breast milk your child has. And, you know, they serve them for years to come potentially their entire lives. So I hate to hear that when moms will say, you know, oh, I just weaned and then she got sick and that's why. And I'm like, no, that's not why. <laughs> They were going to get sick anyways. (laughs) And if you were still nursing, you just would have said, well, thank goodness I'm nursing so that I can give her the antibodies. And you would convince yourself that they got over it faster. (laughs) Totally. I know. Right. It's so true. Well, thank you for that reminder. Yeah, totally. I think it's like a really important reminder because, you know, it's easy to think because you're actively doing something in the moment and you can't see what's going on in your child's cells and DNA and all of that. But you know, there's still miracles happening there, which is really cool. So it's hard to, it's hard to conceive of, like until you like really dive into studies and you see how for, you know, across a massive population that we see these differences and you're like, oh no, it actually does do something. It's not just a nice to have, like there is something to it. So it's really cool. Right. Yeah. So you just weaned Zoe basically, right? Like it's been like a couple weeks. Yeah, like two and a half. It'll be three weeks at the end of this week. So, how have you been feeling and how did you go about making that transition? Like, ultimately, you made a decision to, you know, stop or or go about weaning. And so, you got to prepare, which you didn't get to do with Amelia. So, I'd love to hear you walk us through that. You know, she has been bottle feeding with the breast milk that I was pumping while I was working. So, I'm really fortunate that she was comfortable with a bottle and she didn't have any she didn't appear to have any issues, you know, going between like bottle and boob, which was really great and super helpful for everyone in our family. So what I started to do was I just sort of started to eliminate pumping sessions throughout my day. And then I would let myself sleep a little longer and longer. Um, And then I eventually stopped doing middle of the night breastfeeding sessions, which were 
my favorite because they were so convenient, <laughs> um, you know, but yeah. I needed to start taking out those sort of sessions throughout my days. And I think she did okay. I could tell for several days she would like bury her head like near my chest. And I think she could, I knew she was looking for my boob and that was really hard, like not giving her what she was looking for. I definitely felt sad in those moments and sometimes like pretty emotional. I'd actually have to hand her to my husband so I could kind of just like get myself together. Aww. So he did several bottle feedings in the beginning just to help. Yeah. So those were kind of the steps that we took. And then, you know, it's crazy because in three months going from pregnant for nine months and then delivering and then your milk coming in and, and then maybe considering your stopping producing breast milk. Like my body has just gone through so many hormonal changes, like highs and lows in a very short amount of time that even though I haven't been breastfeeding or producing breast milk for a couple of weeks, I'd still feel very hormonal. So it's like, it's motherhood is crazy. And I don't know when things will level out, but I can, my body is still adjusting. Like I just, I, I feel it sometimes when she's crying for like 20 or 30 minutes, I, I have that letdown sensation even though I don't know what's actually happening in my breast, like, am I producing breast milk? I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Jacqueline, you know? Yes. Yes. And yeah, you probably just still are like, if, if you wanted to get some out, you could eke out some drops. Right. And, yeah. and there is a hormonal shift. Absolutely. That happens when you wean and it doesn't matter if it's at two days postpartum or where you are or two years postpartum. And so that's why we usually recommend doing it gently like you did, right? There's no, Mm -hmm. um, very unlikely that there's a true medical reason to do sudden weeding. Um, and so, you know, usually we have a little bit of time, um, or at least, you know, sudden drying up of of the milk, like we can take some time with that most of the time. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's, yeah, I'm sure you have mixed feelings, right? So there's kind of like some sadness there, of course, especially if she's reaching for the boob and then there's probably a sense of relief. It sounds like, because you're getting to balance your time better between both children. And I imagine just work and being a family and being a wife and all of that. You know, I think because it was my decision, unlike with Amelia, it's been better, but also harder in some ways, because I know that this is my last pregnancy. And so having to sort of reconcile stopping nursing earlier. I did not put a deadline like I did. Like I wanted to nurse Amelia for a year. Like for some reason I gave myself this very ambiguous deadline or goal. So I sort of was like doubly sad when I, when my body stopped producing milk with Amelia, but with Zoe, it was different because it was my decision, but I was still sad in a different way because I knew this was going to be my last kid. And this is, that was my last pregnancy. So I was like, I definitely went back and forth. Like, is this the right thing for me? Yes, it is. But this is my last. So should I do it longer? I went back and forth for several days, just sort of like wrestling with these two very different voices and thoughts I was telling myself. So the experiences were very different, but still both sad and a little complicated. And I don't know. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you've kind of said throughout this, that you've had a therapist that you work with, which is wonderful. And, you know, how are you feeling like your mental health is doing now that you've weaned? You know, my mental health is, is pretty good. I have a lot of work to do on uh, my anxiety, which I feel like has increased two times now being a mom times two, I have like some severe intrusive thoughts. And um, so it's hard. I mean, being a mom of one is hard. Being a mom of two is hard. 
Um, parenting is challenging. Uh, feeling like you need to be in multiple places, multiple places at once is hard. You know, I definitely have moments where I feel like I'm failing across the board, even though my, some of my time has freed up and I'm not breastfeeding. It's really hard. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely improved and it's better, but I have a lot of work to do. And I think I always will in some capacity just because that's life. And then, you know, on top of work and being a parent in my job, you have other things like family stuff and what have you. So, you know, I don't know if there'll ever be a moment in my life where I don't need a therapist, but my mental health is definitely better, but I know I still have some work to do. Oh, I love your transparency because I don't know. I relate to you and I feel like (laughs) who doesn't, but maybe that's because we're full of our own challenges. I don't know. Is there anyone listening out there who cannot relate to what Sarah's saying? (laughs) Truly like DM me. I want to, I want to understand, please do tell Tell me your secrets. I know. Come on the podcast and share all of your secrets (laughs) so that we can all be healed. Unless you're enlightening moments. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll have your great days and you'll have your great streaks. I like to call them streaks, you know, where I, I absolutely have some weeks where I'm like, what was all of that anxiety about these last two weeks? I'm so productive. I'm thinking so clearly I'm happy. And then like, you just wake up one day and you're like, oh, it's, it's back. Okay. All right. So it's so hard. And I think, you know, I don't want to generalize and say that, you know, dads or whomever don't have the same sort of like mental stream of consciousness and anxiety sort of inducing thoughts as the mom. But I, I know that my mental load is different than my husband's and not because he isn't in equal parenting and our house is absolutely 50-50, but there are just things that go through my brain that when I sort of share out loud what I'm thinking, he's like, how on earth does your brain even like operate like that? And I'm like, I don't know, but I can't, I can't get it to stop. Like, for example, we just put in like the CO2 monitor in Zoe's room. I'm laying in bed the night we put it in the outlet and I'm like, oh my God, that CO2 monitor is too close to the curtain. What if, because it's plugged in, it gets too hot and the curtain catches on fire and the curtain is near her crib. Will I go in through the front door? I mean, will I go in through her bedroom door or will I have to break the window? I mean, Jacqueline, my, my <laughs> thoughts go from like A to Z, like in seconds. And my husband's like, I don't think normal people think that way. I'm like, but I don't know. I kind of think all moms think moms this do. way. <laughs> moms do. He's yeah. like, that does not sound normal. I'm like, it's not for you, but I think it is for us. And I don't know if it's normal, but I can't help it. <laughs> Oh, totally. I, and then, you know, this is not to, to be like mental health advice to anybody out there, but because I obviously, you know, partner with a lot of mental health professionals, um, Mm -hmm. and to various therapists and psychiatrists myself, um, and just, you know, it's part of like my education and and continuing education. Mm -hmm. So there is this degree of like, when we talk about anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder and intrusive thoughts, that's not always the same as what is normal for a postpartum mom. Like I think sometimes moms, and I'm not saying you don't have anxiety. I'm not saying that clearly you would, you would know, (laughs) but like a lot of moms will start to freak out when these things happen and immediately make an assumption that they have anxiety disorder or they have Mm -hmm. postpartum depression or something and something is wrong. They need to get therapy and medicine and all that. I'm like, I think therapy would be useful because it'll truly tell you whether or not something deeper is going on. But Mm -hmm. what moms don't realize is that there are changes to the gray matter in your brain 
the moment you become pregnant and especially once you give birth. And this has been studied and our brains, the wiring, everything changes and we are more vigilant to the point that we might be hypervigilant and worry about where that CO2 monitor is plugged in. And we will think through safety scenarios because our brains need or have been wired. This is all evolutionary, right? You cannot continue the species if you let your child die on your watch, right? Right. So our brain is literally looking for occasions for our child to die And we are going to work through scenarios of how can we prevent that? That is normal. That is not unhealthy. What is unhealthy is when there are thoughts of you harming your child or when you cannot stop that and it's consuming everything and you're not able to function normally. So I just want to assure moms, if you've had those occasional thoughts, that is normal. That's just your brain trying to be very protective of this spawn that you've brought into mm-hmm. the human race. So yeah. just, yeah, there is, you know, I don't think your thoughts are crazy, but it is funny. Like you said, you know, your husband, Scott, he doesn't think that same way as you. And, and I don't think that men are in, or spouses or partners, they're protective but it's in a different way, right? He might right. be more big picture thinking where you're sitting there looking at this thing going, is this okay? Is this safe? Like, did I buy the right monitor? Is it near the current? Like you're just doing all the things. And, and so right. you guys kind of, you do protection in your own different way, right? He might think of something that you would never have thought of. Yeah. Very true. Glad to know we're all in it together. <laughs> <laughs> we are. And I think that the more that, you know, people like you, Sarah, that can share your story and just other moms can listen and go, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I just, I think your story is great because like you said, you, you really didn't have the same preparation and knowledge going into breastfeeding your first, but you ended up breastfeeding her longer, but you got to make an empowered, informed and supported choice. And that's, I think really what's special about your breastfeeding journey with Zoe. Well, thank you. And I, I really believe that. And I know that to be true. Um, So thank you so much for, for validating that. Yeah, absolutely. And also just so you guys know, Sarah was like, um, so I recently leaned, I don't know if I'm still like a good fit for the podcast. And I'm like, (laughs) I think you are. And I think maybe we should totally talk about that. But I was like, I just want to make sure you're okay talking about it. And she was, so here we are doing this episode. And I just, I think it's great because I think what you're talking about is just something really real. You know, we can, Mm -hmm. I I get stuck in that. I I will totally take responsibility where I want to talk about all the ways we can overcome breastfeeding problems, but sometimes it's more about the kind of stuff that you shared. Yeah. Well, thank you. And obviously I, I love everything that you produce and I'm so thankful for the community that you've created. And it's one of the very few lactation accounts that I follow and trust and, you know, just to really appreciate everything that you, you do for mothers. So thank you. And I'm like, just so honored that you thought of me and, and asked me to come on your podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And honestly, the feeling is mutual. You guys, this is not like a plug for populist, (laughs) but honestly, like if you are pregnant, if you know someone who's pregnant, seriously, go check it out. Sarah and her co-founder have created this just, it really feels more like a community than a baby registry, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just, it's like your opportunity to be really intentional in terms of picking out some things you might want for your baby. It's also not necessarily just like a physical product and, um, yeah, I just, what you've created is really unique and it stems, I think, from just your own experience as a parent. So I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that before we go. Yeah, no, I think you, you said it beautifully and in, in like Jacqueline mentioned, Populist is a baby registry platform. And um, I think 
a few things that make us really special is one, every recommendation that we make in our catalog has been sourced from a mom and dad directly. So brands cannot pay to play. Uh, We vigorously vet every product that we recommend. So unless we know for sure it's helped a parent, we will never recommend it to someone building their registry with us. And the other unique thing is we're the only registry that allows parents to exchange their gift for a gift card before it's been shipped. So as parents, we know circumstances change constantly. For example, we had someone who registered with Populist and she ended up having a NICU baby and hadn't redeemed some of the gifts that were purchased. So she asked us if she could get you know, the same value of those gifts in a gift card because she needed other things. And that was sort of the idea behind this gift card option on Populist. So if, if your circumstances change and you haven't redeemed one of the gifts that's been purchased for you and it hasn't shipped yet, we will give you uh, that value in a gift card instead. So I'm proud that we've created an experience and a registry that gives parents pretty much complete control and flexibility because uh, that's something we don't really have as parents. So if we can give that to you in the form of a registry, uh, then I think we're doing um, something special and I'm really proud of what we've built. Oh, yes. I love that. I love that. And I think in today's world of influencers and things like that, it sometimes becomes very unclear in terms of what are actual valid recommendations from fellow parents and what are not. And so having that, um, you know, that people can't pay to play is very cool because you're like, oh, no, really, parents have said this is great for them. And that's awesome. Yes. So that's a little bit of populist, but yeah, go check us out. And we would be absolutely honored and privileged if you trusted us to, to help set you up for parenthood. So that is my, my little populist plug. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much, Sarah, for joining us. I just feel like this is such a special episode. It's been awesome to talk to a friend and get to hear more about your story and being able to share that with others is something I think that will serve everyone who's listening really well. So I appreciate you. You're welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras, and you can get started right now.